In this episode, I speak to Chris Walker from Joe Mule about video in B2B marketing. We discuss how you can get started with video, which AI video editing tool is best, how videos help you with your SEO and remote working. you help and how do you help them? Uh, so primarily we help uh, B2B, uh, a lot of SaaS companies and people in the tech space. Um, we've usually got maybe very complex or quite layered projects uh, and products and services. And uh, essentially we help them by producing video content, mainly animated video content that helps kind of explain the value proposition in a kind of concise and simple way. Great. And why are you particularly drawn to the SaaS space? Um, so, I mean, it, it happened, uh, it was a bit of a, a strange situation, really. So just before the pandemic hit, um, we decided that we were we were quite broad in terms of who we were targeting for, uh, for our projects. And we decided that niching down was probably a good idea. And we'd done a few projects for, for SaaS companies and realized that it was a good market for us because quite often they are complicated products and things like that. And they've got often not great ways of kind of communicating their messages because they want to try and fit in uh, all the features and things that the product can do. And that's not always the best idea for a kind of certainly top funnel kind of content. So we decided just before the pandemic to niche down and stop focus on, on SaaS companies. And then as it turned out, that was probably quite a good move because a lot of those SaaS companies had uh, quite good pandemics, um, com- certainly compared to other industries that obviously suffered quite a lot through it. So it, it was, I'd like to say it was my, genius uh, planning but it was more coincidence than anything else okay and how important is video in b2b marketing um so i I think videos become very important for for b2b marketing for, for for a number of reasons really i mean really i mean it's because it's so good it's a great communication tool but it's really about the amount of information that you can kind of get across in a relatively short amount of time um mainly because you're delivering kind of audio and visual components to people so it's a lot easier for people to kind of digest information certainly if you're talking about slightly complicated concepts or very layered products um so i think it's become massively important it's also really important if you try to build a brand because video is such a great kind of communication tool for a brand you can really help bring the kind of brand voice to life through video whether that's a kind of animated content or you know doing kind of thought leadership stuff where you're really putting a face to to a brand whether it be your ceo or some people from your marketing team so i think that's one of the reasons it's become such an important tool um and it's it's so widely um distributed now you know most social media platforms have gone kind of down the video first route which is great if you're a video production company or if you're producing a lot of video because it means that they're usually giving priorities to kind of people who are producing video content um yeah um i always think there's a huge advantage for um video for seo so the way google search rankings often work is 
if there's a video available that will get priority. So for companies that maybe wouldn't rank um, in organic search for keywords for their blog content, video um, could be a, an opportunity for them because I've often found that video is overlooked in the B2C sector. So there's huge opportunities there to rank well for keywords by having even simple or short videos versus um, say pumping out blogs yeah, especially if you're in a particularly competitive space, I think that's a good point because, you know, if you've got companies that have been ranking through their blog content or in their SEO for a number of years and you're trying to disrupt that space, it could be quite difficult to kind of just appear and get yourself right up those Google rankings. Um, whereas the video content and YouTube, if you can produce some decent quality content that is helpful, you can kind of hijack that a little bit, like you said, and, and, and rank for those videos as well. The entry level, I think, is a lot lower for video content um, as opposed to all the kind of hoops that you've got to jump through to write kind of blog content that's going to rank. So, yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. And for companies that are a little bit newer to videos, um, how should they get started? Uh, well, uh, uh, I feel like that's a tricky one to answer in many respects because the the thing to do with video content really to get started is to get started. <laughs> you know, from simple things like recording, I don't know, outgoing sales messages or adding some kind of introductory video content to if you're sending a newsletter out, that's a great way to kind of slowly integrate video into some of your content because um, it doesn't require too much in terms of production time costs and things like that you know you can film stuff on your iphone um get yourself a little lapel mic that's a great way just to get yourself used to shooting a bit of video content and um you know from there you can kind of scale that up and you can speak to studios about how you can turn that looking more professional um how you can introduce um animation and motion graphics into it to add a bit more of a professional edge to it but i think that the trouble a lot of uh, businesses have when they think about video content and getting it done is there does seem to be um, a misconception that it's a really complicated thing to get started with because you'll see, you know, big brands producing, you know, really fancy kind of content that's obviously had tens of tens of thousands of pounds um, spent on it. And that isn't always the case. You know, people don't have those budgets always. So really there's a big learning curve. Um, with video but the best way to get around it is to just start producing some stuff there's plenty of free tools out there that you can use um, to edit video uh, to record video um, so yeah my advice usually with with everybody is if you've already got a good grip on uh, who your audience is and the kind of things that you can help them with just start producing some small short form content start posting it on LinkedIn LinkedIn um, if you're not massively comfortable putting it out there directly on a social media platform, I feel like if you're running a newsletter or you're putting blogs up on your site anyway, adding a small piece of introductory video content is a great way to kind of get it out there without um, kind of broadcasting it to the masses initially while you kind of get over those initial, uh, the inevitable hiccups that come with producing video content. Yeah, great point. Um, if you're new to getting started, you don't need a huge budget. You just need your phone. Um, what tools would you recommend for people who are getting started with video? Um, so there's a great platform that we've 
been using recently to edit video that I'd, uh, I really recommend using called Descript, um, D-E script, um, which is an AI-powered AI uh, video editing platform. Um, it's a paid a paid platform, but they do have a free plan. Um, there are some limitations on it. But essentially, the reason we've been using it is um, it allows you to, first of all, you upload a video to it. Let's say it's um, the thing we've been using it for is uh, customer testimonial videos. So you upload your video to it. It transcribes the video for you with pretty decent accuracy. So what you get is uh, the copy down the left-hand side and the video along the right-hand side. Uh, and what Descript allows you to do is edit the video by editing the copy. So if there's a sentence that you know isn't particularly relevant or there's some parts at the start of the video where the customer, you and the customer are just kind of idly chit-chatting, it's not something you want to use, rather than having to kind of take it into something like Adobe Premiere and kind of chunk out those bits, you can just highlight the text and delete it. So it's super fast for producing kind of quick cut videos. Um, you can do things like take out ums and ahs out of the um, video content and take whole paragraphs and move them into different sections. So um, we recently edited a, I think the interview was about six or seven minutes long and we needed it down to about three or four minutes. And I don't know, an hour later, we had a kind of pretty concise piece of video content that was nice and smooth. It only contained the bits that we wanted it to contain because we'd stripped everything else out. And as long as you're kind of happy with quite hard cuts, um, which I personally think are fine for things like customer interviews, um, it's a really fast way of uh, editing video because you're just using the text to edit it rather than having to kind of scroll through a timeline and pick out the bits that you don't want and then stitch it back together. It does all the hard work for you. You just edit copy basically so yeah that, that's my at the moment that's our my number one um platform that we're advising people to kind of use because it's again the entry level is actually pretty low because you don't need to know anything about video editing you just need to be able to kind of edit the copy um which is why it's really easy to use yeah definitely I've started using that myself and yeah, it's so intuitive. It even removes the filler words for you. I think in mm -hmm. a couple of years, Descript will do for video what Canva did for graphic design. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Um, it's also great actually for adding captions as well because there's uh, there's quite a lot of things that you can do to the captions uh, in Descript that a lot of other platforms you can't do. Things like you can kind of brand them really with the with the, with the brand colors, which is great. So that you're not just got the standard kind of white text on a black box. You can play around with the colors in that, which is is nice for just making it look and feel a bit more like your kind of branded content. But you can it'll also do things like it'll highlight the words that are being spoken by the speaker as they're saying it, so you get that kind of progressive jumping along um, the captions, which is makes the captions a lot easier to follow and also is great for highlighting kind of keywords and stuff like that. So it's little things like that that I think, yeah, in a couple of years, because um, it's not perfect, you know, it doesn't transcribe everything with 100% accuracy. Um, but I think as kind of AI and the platform develops over the next couple of years, yeah, I do think it's going to be either Descript itself or something similar is going to be the go-to kind of uh, video editor for people who aren't video editors essentially who don't want to pay for kind of Adobe Premiere and kind of a big uh, video editing package because you know they haven't got the time or resources to do it so yeah that's a great point 
So you've worked in the creative sphere for a long time. How do you think creative people switch off outside of work? Um, I mean, do they ever switch off outside of work? I'm not sure. Um, I, I think that what I what I certainly find is that my kind of um, the creativity tends to just get moved into other areas. Um, whether that's kind of through your hobbies and things like that. I think there's a big difference between uh, turning your kind of, certainly if you work for yourself or if you uh, run a business, there's a big difference between being able to turn off your kind of business brain and be thinking about things like clients and uh, wages or invoices and things like that and being able to turn off the kind of creative kind of, process and the creative thoughts i'm not sure i've ever quite grasped how to turn off the creative thoughts as much as anything but some of my hobbies kind of lend to that i I play guitar i've got two young children so they tend to take up a lot of that kind of creative time in doing kind of art projects with certainly with the old one and things like that so um and i'm not sure whether it's something that i would want to turn off um because it can turn itself off um certainly I think if you've got things going on outside of work uh, and away from your job, that can be a huge drain on your kind of creative resources. Um, so I think that turning it back on again is probably a bigger issue, certainly for me, um, than being able to turn it off, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, whenever I hear people talk about work-life balance, I balk. It's really hard <laughs> to do, um, especially in certain industries. Um, I think work-life fusion um, would be a little bit more, um, I think, a bit more applicable. But yeah, I found that um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you have mm. like a positive creative attitude in work, you probably have that outside of work too. Um, but it means that your life switched on for everything um, all the time, which can be a little bit exhausting. Yeah, very much so. And I, I find it odd, really, the kind of work-life balance thing, because on one hand, people people are very keen to tell you to kind of do something that you love and you should be passionate about your work and you should be doing, you know, working for yourself or being an entrepreneur or all these things that, you know, you need to be passionate about what you do. And if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. That doesn't really fit with kind of a work life, the traditional kind of work life balance thing of, you know, being able to turn off your kind of work mode and, and, and your brain from kind of work operations. Because if it is something that you love and that you're passionate about, you can't turn it off. It's, it's kind of always there. You can set it to one side um, and get yourself in a good place, which I think I've managed to do not consistently, but quite well over the last few years have been able to kind of draw a line under your work day and kind of do other things and kind of have a social life and have a family life. But if it is something that you're really passionate about, you can't just kind of, it's not a job where you can just clock in and clock out because that'd be the absolute opposite of doing something that you love. If you're able to just kind of like completely switch yourself off from what you do for a living. Um, and I'd say you're probably not that passionate about it in the first place. Certainly, that's been my experience anyway. Um, Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about um, passion. I think there's that expectation that you should be passionate about your job and find something that you love. But I don't think it's necessarily true for everybody. But like that, as you say, if you do find something you're passionate about, 
it can kind of take over a little bit, I, I suppose, a little bit too much um, of your time and of your thought process uh, and things like that. Yeah. And well, everybody's personalities are different as well. You know, some people um, have got personalities that just mean they're going to get very into whatever they're doing. And that can be good and it can be not so good. Um, you know, if it's not kind of like if you can't switch those kind of gears up and down. Um, and I think people confuse that passion thing with um, they think that it's a job that you're passionate about. Oh, I'm a graphic designer or an animator and I'm really passionate about that. And that's really the surface level stuff. That's probably not what you're passionate about because you can probably transfer a lot of those skills. For me, one of the things that I, I discovered uh, from my previous job, um, which I left uh, before I started this business, so I used to run a production department for, a, for a, an agency. Um, and I had 15 or 16 kind of designers working under me. Uh, and I discovered that actually what I liked doing was working with kind of junior designers and kind of helping people who were fresh out of university kind of take those first steps into their kind of creative jobs and opening their eyes to the possibilities and helping them kind of along the way. So that was one of the things that I think is quite unique to the creative industries from my perspective because. You know, I couldn't do that if it was university students wanting to start a law degree. It's, you know, I, I've got to be able to lend my kind of experience to it. Um, and that's probably something that some of the side projects that I've, that I've done over the last couple of years in terms of trying to mentor some people and things like that, because I don't have a huge staff um, anymore. Um, that's something that I'm passionate about. It's not necessarily a career, though, um, but it's I think it's important to be able to kind of like tie some of those things together. Um, and how do you find that working from home uh, affects that work-life balance or work-life fusion? It's been an up-and-down relationship with working from home for me. So I do it sometimes. At the moment, I've probably been working. I've been back working at home for a few weeks, really since the school holidays started. I've just not got back into it because I do um, have a co-working space that I, <laughs> I pay uh, for space in there. So I tend to move between home and there, depending on what my day looks like, um, because I found that prolonged periods of working at home, um, which I've done a few times in the course of my career. Uh, I worked remotely for a company um, that I used to work for for two years because me and my wife moved uh, to Durham. Um, so we had a couple of years up there. So I kind of went remote for them and actually found it quite hard work because just non-contact with other people <laughs> for large portions of the day um, isn't something that's great for me. And I, I found I was getting myself into that situation working from home um, a couple of years ago after the pandemic. Um, I felt like I needed to get out and be around people, even if it wasn't, because all, our, the, all, all the kind of the people who do work for us uh, are, are all remote and some of them aren't even in the same time zones because we've got some illustrators that are in, in Europe. And, and places like that so we haven't quite got that um office feel that i think i probably uh, missed having worked in a kind of a big busy production department for for the best part of 10 years you know just those kind of little chats that you have with the other designers that was the kind of stuff that i actually think i was missing because i'm quite a social social animal i think um so i tend to now work between i'll have some days where i go into the go into an office because 
I like being around people and I'm out of a day where it's particularly suited to going in there. And then there are some days where if I've got kind of a, a day's worth of sales calls or I've got a focus on it, I'll I'll come home knowing that I'm probably going to be a little bit more focused and productive. Um, so I think it's just everybody's different. You know, some people, some people love working from home full time and I can understand why some people don't like it as well. So I think it's about everybody's finding that, finding that balance. How, how do you find it? Um, Murray? Um, working from home is a blessing and a curse. So in mm. terms of the blessing side, um, it's great to not have any commute. Um, it's great to not have to get dressed up um, all day, like every single day of the week. So I really like that. Um, I am quite a sociable person, but in some ways I find remote work easier in that sense because it's easier to get in touch with people so I can have more meetings throughout the week as opposed to in an office there might just be those water cooler chats. So yeah, uh, yeah I really like those aspects of it. The only thing is that it's really hard to switch off. So like that when I was working in an office, I leave my work computer there. I come home and um, I'm not seeing any emails coming in so I can forget about it. Whereas mm. working from home, the computer is always there. And it's the same computer for work, as for watching Netflix and things like that. <laughs> so there's always yeah. that temptation uh, and the hours sometimes slip by and I realize that, oh, I, I'm still working, um, especially because I enjoy aspects of it. So it's easy for me to focus on something and just get stuck in and the whole day is gone. So there's definitely pros and cons. Um, I do miss the social aspect of it because it is nice to have those days where if you go for lunch with co-workers or um, there might be something special on. Um, on the whole, I do prefer working from home. But yeah, I think there's still some like teething issues and a lot of people are still very new to it. So I think we're all still in that period of adjustment. Yeah. No, I hundred percent agree, and that's that's one of the certainly one of the downfalls that I found um, working from home when I was doing it full time was the laptop's always there, especially if it's your business, you're working for yourself. Uh, there's always there's, there is always something you could be doing. You know, you could be updating the website, you could be revamping your proposal process. You could you know, there's always something to do, even if it's not even if you've kind of cleared the decks of all client work for the for the week there's always something you could be doing. There's always something you could be tweaking and improving. So that that part of it was something that I kind of wanted to be able to separate. Having two young kids has actually been the thing that's probably made the big difference because I have to <laughs> I have to switch off, especially since, you know, schools schools and things like that, you I'm not on really on my timetable anymore as 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 I was before we had children. Uh you're very much on their kind of <laughs> timetable. Um because my wife works full time, and she generally uh, she works for the NHS, so she's generally in a hospital uh, most days. Flexible working and working from home isn't something she has uh, a great amount of ability to do because of the nature of her job. Um, so I've actually found that my kind of work life balance in terms of being able to switch off the laptop has probably got a lot better since we had children, just because I've got gone pick the baby up at five o'clock because that's what time nursery finishes. So it's, <laughs> I can't, you know, even, even if I wanted to carry on working for another hour, it, it wouldn't really be uh, possible. So, yeah. And like you said, I think that we really are, even though it's been a few years of the kind of remote working kind of revolution, if you will, since the pandemic, um, we are really still 
finding what works for people and realizing that everybody is a little bit different um, and striking the right balance for people uh, is going to be the key, I think, for people that, you know, you can't, I don't think you can force people to go into the office. I also don't think you can force them to work remotely either. I think giving people choices and options is probably the way to do it. But um, we're still in the very early stages of finding that out, as as, as you see, um, certainly across LinkedIn and people like that. Everybody's got an opinion still on what remote work should look like and, and things like that. But it's certainly been a good thing from my perspective, I think. Yeah, it's great when people have the options so they can build the life to suit them. Um, I think in offices, a lot of it's for face value. Like I've worked in offices um, where people are at their computers, like on Facebook for the day, and they're not supposed to be. Um, or people are having meetings all day, or drinking endless cups of coffee. And I'll admit it, there were lots of days where I spent most of the day drinking coffee too. Um, so mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's for just to be seen to be there. Whereas I think um, it's better if you measure people by their output, by their work. As in, if you are a videographer and you have to edit three videos that day or that week or whatever it is, once that's done, it's done. Or if you're a salesperson who makes a certain number of calls or a marketing person that has to generate links or uh, work on a few articles, I think people should be measured by their output and their results rather than their ability to sit at a desk in an office for eight hours a day. So I think the remote work could be good because it could lead to a more meritocratic system um, across the workplace in general. Yeah, that's a really good point. And somebody that I used to work for uh, years ago, and I'm still in touch with some of the people that work for, this, for, the, same, for, the, for the same company because I used to manage, manage some of them. Um, during the pandemic, they were telling me that, you know, to try to get us back in the office as early as possible. Um, and I was like, well, has it, it not worked? Because specifically, the couple of people I was speaking to, they had a very measurable, their their output was very measurable because they were on a kind of a product, I want to say a production line, but they were producing kind of ad content. So they had a certain number of briefs that they'd be working on that week and they'd be producing a certain amount of kind of video content that each week. And it was quite set in terms of, you know, the amount of briefs that they'd been given and the amount of output they'd expect. So really measurable and very simply measured. Um, and, you know, in conversations with them about whether they thought it was working and they were like, well, yeah, actually, we're probably getting more done because <laughs> there's less distractions, you know. and and so. It, we're quite happy to kind of sit. We can have our own music on. You know, I take a break when I want and kind of get through my work. But uh, the guy who was running the company was quite old school and just didn't like people working from home. <laughs> it's as simple as that. He'd rather have them in an office, even though, you know, they could, certainly in the case of these designers, could kind of lay out and show him, but we're more productive. He took that as well, you must be messing around in the office when you're in the office. They didn't yeah. see it as a kind of, you know, a, a plus point for working from home. Just felt like people were not doing as much as they could do in the office. And unfortunately, that mentality is out there, um, probably more places than people would like to admit, unfortunately. But like you said, I think if you can, if your business is run in a way that you can measure people's kind of productivity and 
and their output properly without it seeming like you're just asking people to kind of tick a box every day. And I think I think that's surely the best best to be able to give people the option to do it. But you see, as things evolve. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And finally, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how would they do so? Um, so, I mean, to be honest, the best way is probably to find me on LinkedIn because I'm on there uh, a lot. Um, so if you just search for Chris Walker uh, or Joe Mule Animation Studio on LinkedIn, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, the company web address is joemulecreative.com. Um, there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us on there as well. So uh, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to have a chat with people about kind of getting started with video content and the best way to approach it. Um, okay, that's great. Thanks very much. No worries. Thanks for having me, Barry. All right. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow, like, and share. You can get in touch by visiting the website wittybanter.com. That's witty-banter.com. Or follow Witty Banter on LinkedIn to get updates as they happen.